Money Mind, expanding your mind when it comes to money matters. Here's your host, Tanya Carlson from Amplify Wealth Management. Welcome back to another episode of Money Mind. This is the second part of a three-part series for the High Heels and Dollar Bills group. If you missed part one, you can always go back and have a listen to Natalie Denya, mortgage broker from Birdie Wealth. Today, we welcome Sonia Gibson, another valued key member of the group High Heels and Dollar Bills. Now, Sonia's been on Money Mind before, episode 16 to be exact. Sonia is an award-winning accountant and the founder of Accounting Heart, as well as the co-founder of Accounting Innovators Australia. Sonia is a thought leader in her field and passionate about empowering business owners to get comfortable with their numbers. So let's buckle up and enjoy the discussion that Sonia and I share together. Thanks so much for joining us today, Sonia. Thanks for having me, Tanya. No worries at all. I thought I might start by asking you why you thought it would be good to be part of the High Heels and Dollar Bills crew. Um, look, I think it's really important for women to support other women and, um, you know, I really wanted to be a part of that. I think that's probably something that drew us all into it really, didn't it? Exactly. And there's not a lot of female advisors out there, that's true. Um, particularly in that financial space. Yeah. So I think it's lovely for women to hear from other women. Yeah. Um, who understand, you know, the the unique struggles of women, particularly around um, amassing enough super, getting through divorce, and and what that means for them financially, and th- and there's a lot of anxiety yes. around that, not understanding numbers. Yes. So, and I think women can feel quite embarrassed about that, and if they have to go and have those discussions with a male, I think it can be quite intimidating for That's them. True. Um, but I think through high heels and dollar bills, we can create an environment where people are happy. Uh, and feel comfortable to ask questions and get the answers they need so that they can feel confident about their finances. Definitely. And we should point out, actually, that we had a couple of males in the room on the evening mm. too. So whilst we, we were targeting women with, I guess, the information on the evening um, and in this type of podcast, I would imagine we've got lots of different people listening. And I think it's they're all really helpful tips for anyone to sort of you know, mm. thrive financially and, and be financially organised. So maybe we might um, start off with you sharing some or all of the the tips that you talked about on the evening? Yeah, so look, I mean, my first tip is to understand what your values are. Um, So, you know, they're the things that um, guide you in life and that they're inherent in your nature and you don't have a lot of say in them. Um, It's just who you are. Um, So I think it's really important to tap into who you are and what's important to you when you first start thinking about your finances because everybody has a different view of how much money is enough money. Yes. And I've seen people who have survived very successfully on not much money at all and still manage an overseas holiday um, by being incredibly thrifty. Um, And yet there are other people who have very expensive lifestyles who will struggle into retirement and won't be able to maintain those lifestyles. So I think it's really important to understand who you are and what's important to you and just remember that you're living your life and not somebody else's life. So it's really about what brings you joy and happiness. Yeah. You know, and I've, I've seen um, reports that, you know, there's something like 128 unique values. So how do you pick, you know, what's important oh to you, yeah, exactly. you know? And, you know, it can be really difficult, but, um, you know, I went through quite a detailed exercise quite a few years ago yeah. and you sort of like picking, okay, well, what's more important, money or family? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, oh, and I think they're all up there, know, aren't they? And, and they're all up there. And if you've got to pick one of those, okay, you know, what's it going to be? And then you've got to think of, okay, well, how, you know, if I pick family, what does that look like? But if I pick money, does that mean I can then support my family and I've got time to spend with my family and I can do those things I want to do with my family that, you know, yeah. that are going to bring 
memories and joy and that kind of thing. So I think, you know, you've got to think about, okay, if I achieve something to do with another value that may seem incongruent with, you know, the the most important value of all, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just may mean that um, it's going to somehow support your family. Yeah, exactly. And Mm. is that something that you go through with your clients? Like, is that a first step sort of process? Or do you think that that's just something that's helpful for people to do as part of this sort of high heels and dollar bills process of just getting people to think about Mm. their priorities and their, their, their values? Look, it really just depends on the client. Like some clients are quite in tune with that. Um, and I ha- it is an exercise that I have done with clients. I've suggested them, um, I've recommended a tool to them to be able to go and do that. Um, and I'm not qualified to provide sure. advice in relation to that tool, but um, they actually um, present quite a detailed report in terms of your values. And it's really helped um, with couples that have got different values around money. Yeah. And it's <laughs> been quite enlightening for some some couples. Like um, I've, I've initially recommended it to one person. They've said, I've actually gotten my husband to do that as well. Um, and they said it was been a really valuable exercise for them as a couple to do that. And then they can actually see where they're coming from. Yeah, exactly. And, yep. you know, what what's just non-negotiable for the other person? You come from a place of understanding rather than from a, a place of conflict. Because ultimately, you know, if there's there's conflict, there's a disconnect in values. Yeah, that's right. You know, whether exactly. it's around money or... I don't know, something anything. Else. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't really yeah, matter what it's exactly. about. Yeah. 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 That's mm. fine. Excellent. And mm. what else did we share on the day? So the other thing that I shared on the night was um, to, to get set to accumulate well. So that's really about um, or two things. Um, the first thing is mindset and the second is structure. So when we're thinking about getting set for, for wealth, we want to have a, a mindset of abundance. So it's one very much about making money not saving tax. And, you know, being an accountant, you know, I very much see people in two camps. So people are happy to go and earn money, but then there are there's an element of the population that come in and just say, I want to save tax. And the ones that are saying that are on very low incomes. Okay. Um, so they aren't paying much tax anyway, at all. Yeah. And there's just that fixation of I've got to save tax, so therefore I can't earn money. And I always think that you're better off earning an extra dollar. Yeah. Um, and paying the, you know, 47% tax on it versus, you know, not earning that dollar and not, you know, not building having anything and, yeah, at the end of the right. day. Yeah. So, you know, at least if you earn the dollar, you still have 53 cents in the pocket, yeah. whereas if you don't, you've got, got nothing. Zero. So, yeah. um, you know, I think that there's a mindset that comes with, you know, accumulating wealth. Yeah. And then... In terms of structure, so I encourage people to think about how they're going to um, accumulate that wealth. Will it be in their own name or will it be through a family trust and how they're then going to transition that wealth? Um, you know, they're in a position to be able to accumulate quite a, a deal of wealth. Um, then how they're going to transition that wealth to the next generation. So, um, yeah. you know, things like trust structures and that kind of thing can be quite nice to set up for the family and to then, you know, you set up with a corporate trustee and it transitions to the next generation without any, without any change. Essentially, I was going to say without any hurdles, um, but there's pro- there's always hurdles. But it's always there will be yeah, some hurdles. But yeah, but yeah smooth, as smooth as possible, I guess is probably the best it's, way. To yeah, do it. but yeah. I guess it just yeah, it depends on what you know people's intentions are and whether or not they do want to leave a legacy for future generations yeah. or whether or not that will be in the form of you know the sale of a family home or you know, leftover superannuation, although I like to encourage people to spend their super because spend it's there money. for retirement, not for leaving a legacy. That's true. <laughs> That's very true, actually. If you've worked hard accumulating um, it, you should really work hard at spending enjoy it. Enjoy it. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And 
I mean, do people come in seeing you and, and have an idea of what structuring they want or do you find that most people aren't quite certain what it all means and really need that guidance? I think people aren't certain about what it means. They hear about things like family trust and they think, oh, well, you know, should I buy a property and put it in a trust? Well, not necessarily. Yeah. You know, because there are some pitfalls in doing things like that. And I think that's the importance of getting advice is to, you know, you don't know what you don't know um, and your friends and family have all got their own views on what does and doesn't work for them. And that may be based on, you know, conversations I've had with their accountant, which may be fine, but then there are a lot of people out there's a lot of false information out there as well about how how to save tax and how things should be structured. So it's very I think you just true. need to be um, very careful and get your own advice. Yeah, this information sort of generation is is fascinating because, you know, we used to see people come in and say, oh, I, I don't know where to find information about this. But now we get people coming in and saying, I've Googled this and I've got all these ideas, but actually I can't make a decision because mm. from my Googling, I've, I've now found, you know, 10, 12 hundreds in some cases, examples of, of maybe what I should be doing and therefore I'm more confused than ever, sort of mm. death by analysis in a way, isn't it? It's quite overwhelming what's online, I, you know, and I think that, I mean, that was my, my final tip was, you know, to get advice and the fact that, you know, you can do a lot of stuff yourself. There's a lot of DIY out there, but yeah. at the end of the day, it can be really overwhelming, you know, wading through all of that information um, whereas if you go to a professional, they know the answer because they've done the study. They know where the, the factual sources are, the reliable sources are. Yeah. You know, they've spent the time and know, you know, or have an understanding of, you know, tax rulings that may exist or yes. um, right. other legislation that exists and case law that exists that, to say that you can do something. Or, or um, even if, do, if, do if the experts don't, don't always know straight away, they certainly know where to find that information or who to go to, which, again, is half the battle, isn't it? It's It's... Getting, it the, is. getting to the correct source. Exactly. You know, and um, as an accountant, there's things that I can't advise on. Like I have quite often, you know, clients will come and ask me, you know, questions about superannuation or um, seeking things more of a financial advice. So I think, you know, that's another thing um, that's important is to have an advisor that's got a great black book and a great understanding of, you know, what it is that they can and can't advise on yes. and know who to refer that work to. And I know, you know, you and I refer each other quite a bit of work. Yes, yeah. Um, because, you know, I can't give a financial advice and you can't give tax advice, but um, together we can advise clients holistically um, in, in their financial matters, which I think is really valuable. Well, it's valuable because I think any collaboration, I think that's another thing that, that drew us all into this High Heels and Dollar Bills group mm. is it's a collaboration of people um, who are experts in their field, being able to add value, help guide people on some of these money matters and, and in particular for women as we've identified um, that may mm. feel nervous or maybe don't feel knowledgeable in this area but to partner with people who are also going to be partnering with people, um, you know, so mm. that the, the outcome for the for the end client is, is the best possible outcome because, you know, I think all of us would agree that two heads are better than one. Absolutely. Which is really important. Yeah, great. Okay, well, on the evening we had quite a lot of questions that you would probably remember and we had, I mean, we didn't really get around to answering all of them, but um, I thought I might mm. go through a few of the questions that, um, you know, either came up a lot or fairly popular with people wanting to answer. Um, and, I mean, one of them you've probably already addressed, one of them was, was asking about values um, and you mentioned that referred clients with a tool 
to that before. Is that something mm. you'd like to share or is it something that was more individual for that particular client? How do you help people understand yeah, the values? So, yeah, so the, the tool that I use is um, called um, a values inventory um, and it's produced by um, a group called Manessence. Um, so if you just go online and Google a values a value AVI a values inventory oh, yes. um, it will come up yep. and it's just a matter of you know it's a really dodgy funny looking website it's quite <laughs> old-fashioned it hasn't been updated in a very long okay. time but you know you can log in there and it's I think it was only 30 30 or 40 dollars last time somebody right. did the the inventory so and it just goes through and lists you know different things and you you pick what's you know a priority for you and then at the end of it it spits out a report and a little bit of a background as you know what what it means for you individually and then if it's something that you want to pursue further then there's a contact number that you can do that but you know there's obviously no obligation to be able to, you know for you to do that yeah i think i think that's so, really yeah. helpful for a lot of people because i think mm. you're right i think it does start with understanding what your values are and and that leads to then understanding your pr- priorities which I think once you've got those Mm. two steps pretty clear um, any next step whether you're a business owner going into business or someone seeking to build wealth you and I would both want to have some clarity or open discussion with a client on those points because it's going Mm. to lead to um, how to formulate the next pieces of advice which kind of brings me to another question that we had on the evening and, and something that I see a lot in you know local uh, chat groups like um, Everything Sutherland Shire and so on. And it's kind of what, what mm. kind of advisor or accountant um, do I need? Because there seems to be a, a variety in service levels as well. How would you answer that? Look, I always feel that it's really important to um, have an advisor that you feel comfortable with, somebody that you can connect with, somebody that you know you feel comfortable having those deeply personal conversations about money with. Um, because at the end of the day, you, it's about you and what your needs are. So, you know, you, you, you want to have those open, be able to have those open conversations. And I think the other thing you need to is to make sure that your advisor has time for you. Um, That's a good one, actually, and, isn't it? You know, because yeah, how many yeah. people say, I never get my phone call returned or, um, you know, mm-hmm. I never hear from them. Uh, that's a really frustrating point for people, isn't it? It is. It's a very frustrating point and it's something that I hear quite a lot in my practice. Um, and it's probably the number one reason why, you know, clients are coming to me at the moment is because um, they haven't been able to get in touch with their advisor. Uh, we are in the midst of a skill shortage, so I always do sort of say to them, look, you know, to be Everybody's fair, busy. you know, people are extremely busy at the moment and are having trouble getting team members on board. So just sort of bear that in mind. Um, at the moment, I guess we're lucky. We're okay. Yeah. <laughs> we're just, um, we have a, a full team back on board now. But, um, you know, you just hope during those periods where, you you know, you might be a team member down that, um, Keeping up you know, communication you as best so, as you, you know, can. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we're not immune to that um, at Accounting Heart, but we always have a policy of trying to get back to people within the day and we, yes. you know, are pretty successful at doing that. But, um, you know, clients have advisors that don't, get back to them for weeks, if ever. Um, and I think that that's really important to have that, you have a question you want it answered. So, well, you know, can't uh, move making on sure that your advisor has really, time can to you? answer your questions is really important. Yeah, yeah that exactly. is a really good, really good point as well. Mm. And what else do you think people should look for? Um, I've often said to people, um, and you know this um, because we've had this conversation a few times, but I've often said to people, go and make a time and, and have a chat with a few accountants and, mm. you know, treat it as a, 
not necessarily an interview because that can can sort of be a bit of a strange but a good discussion about what your needs are and, and what what they think they can bring to the table because sometimes we're not the right pe- person for people and it doesn't need to be uncomfortable that can be a respectful decision mm. of hey that's really great work that you're doing but it's actually not quite what I'm looking for because uh, I think an accountant is a critical piece for people a really valued um, mm. trusted advisor that they will often have for dare I say it life but certainly a long time is there mm. is there things or what would what would you be asking people if you wanted to know more about them Oh, tenure. <laughs> <laughs> I stumped you. So, that you know, I've expanded yeah, on that. So, so fair enough, I wasn't yeah. quite um, meaning to do that. But I guess, you know, one of the questions were, people were saying is what should I look for? And you mentioned about having time available. But I wonder is yeah. there a time where you might, for example, say, well, you know, um, you know, Mr and Mrs Smith, your needs are pretty simple and you could probably go on MyGov nowadays versus somebody who would mm. come in and say, you know, we've got this mass entity group with, 50 million turnover and 100 staff and you might be thinking great or you might be thinking oh no we're not the people for you either yeah um exactly i mean those things do happen so for example um with some very basic tax returns we're in a position now that the cost of doing those tax returns people just wouldn't want to pay yeah so we're we're very open about that because you know by the time we go through proof of identity checks and um, we need to send out engagement terms for every engagement so that there's a time cost involved in that, yes. then that needs to come back. So to do a simple tax return at the moment, the, the compliance costs around that are yes. starting to really blow out. Um, so we need to be mindful of that with people. Yes. And I think, you know, with, with my gov at the moment, so much of the data is pre-filled. Yeah. So you've got to, you know, weigh up the cost of, okay, am I accept, happy to accept what's there and maybe miss out on a few deductions and save myself yeah. some accounting fees? Yeah. Or... Uh, <laughs> Uh, or I'm pretty comfortable at saying, you know, I've been able to track, you know, my work-related expenses and I'm happy just to go with that and a few donations. But, you know, so we certainly have those conversations with with people and that's pretty um, reflective, you know, our fees just to do a basic tax return. And then on the higher end, you know, for that client that you're just talking, well, potential client that you're just talking about, that's someone that we actually refer on to a bigger firm. Yes, okay, um, Because it's just, you know, way out of our league. So, you know, we just don't have... That, that would be a full-time job well, for somebody. Well, that's right. The, the capacity is always an issue, Basically. isn't it, with those sort of big big entities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, another question. you need to look at resourcing yeah. that. Well, yeah, mm. of course, that's right, yeah, which is a problem <laughs> with staff shortage, right? It's, yeah. um, it's definitely a challenge at the moment. One of the questions that I think came up on the evening was, you know, can I set up structures myself? I can't recall your answer, but maybe if you could share that. Yeah, by all means, you can set up structures yourself. Um, there's no end of, you know, online sites and things that you can go and do that through and you know you can even try and do it directly with ASIC yourself but you know you're missing out a really important step if you do something like that with ASIC directly and that's all the documentation that goes with setting up a company so you know you really need to be careful about not knowing what you don't know Um, and you know I've seen um, clients that have directly set up structures with ASIC and they've missed out on you know the little box that says I have consented um, and I have it in writing that I've consented to being a director for this company. Wow. And my partner or whoever has also consented. Yes. Um, and they've ticked the box on a government form without actually having that documentation in place, which is very problematic. Wow. So I'd always recommend that you do seek advice um, and get your entity s- set up correctly. Um, and I've also seen a myriad of trusts that have been set up incorrectly with 
beneficiaries who are also the settler of the trust. Right. Um, and that was the last do-it-yourself one that I saw. And then also incorrect trustees um, being yeah. set up. So, you know, it's just so easy to not understand what it is that you're actually doing um, and what those roles are. So I'd always recommend getting advice, even though there is a cost involved yeah, in doing absolutely. that. Yeah, absolutely. Saving yourself enormous costs and time down the track, aren't you, when you've got to go and try and fix these mm-hmm. things up. And in fact, in some cases there. And dealing with courts. Like yeah. in the case of trust, you did, you, you, you know, the only way to sort some of this stuff out is by going to court. You really enormous, don't want that. Yeah, enormous hassle um, to get those things mm. changed that people just don't realise it's, yeah, very time mm. time consuming, which is yeah, definitely save yourself the hassle for sure. Is there anything else on the evening or anything else you wanted to share from your side that you think is important for people to to know and understand in, in the accounting world? Yeah, look, I think what's really important to share is one of your tips, Tanya. So what was one of your tips from the night? <laughs> That's passing the buck, isn't it? Um, <laughs> it certainly is. Yeah. <laughs> My turn to ask some questions. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, look, I guess one that probably is good to discuss with you and I on, on this um, together is is I talked about how super, super really is. Um, and it's something mm. that I know, um, you know, you and I both understand it does come into the the tax side of things, although obviously there's licensing requirements to be talking about these sorts of things. But what I'm really passionate about is people understanding the benefits of super because it's such a, you know, a long sort of process where you start working and your employer's putting this money away for you when you're 65 and Mm. and certainly a 20-year-old person would be thinking, what's the point? Um, But the things that I talked about on the evening was really understanding compound interest uh, and, and mm. you know, the simple maths of that is, you know, if you've got $100 and it earns 10%, you're going to have $110 uh, to invest next year and so on and so forth. So that 110 earns 10%, now we've got another $11 coming in, so we've got 121 um, And as you sort of push that out over time, the compounding nature is just unable to be caught up with or even overtaken by starting later with higher amounts. Uh, so mm. your superannuation is something that your employer is putting money into on your behalf, but you can also, in some cases, something depending on the circumstances, and, and obviously they probably need to get some advice on this, but for some people they can also be putting money into super. And whilst that feels like it's going to be something that benefits you down the track or, or in some people's cases a long time away, before you know it, that's not so far away at all either. I know. I remember oh. when I started, my employer started contributing my first, I think it was about 3% super at the yes, time. Yes, that's right. And it felt like nothing. Yeah, well, it wasn't much really, was um, it? Because we didn't earn as much no, in those days. No, so. but at the same time, it still doesn't feel that long ago that I, yeah, started yeah. my career and now we're sort of like in the last 10 to 15 years. It's, Correct. Um, it will be gone in a heartbeat. Yeah, that's right. So I think like, like mm. anyone, once you've got few years behind you um you sort of know how quickly a decade goes by and you know the average working Mm. life for people is 30 years and you know the reason I wanted to bring super up um at the high heels and dollar bills event is that women often have less super because of Mm. well there's a multitude of reasons really some of those include the fact that we may earn less than our counterparts uh that we take time off to raise a family or care for parents um or mm. anyone else that might need our care. We're typically the first ones to be sort of putting our hands up for those caring roles in society. And often 
the roles that women go into traditionally are lower paid in, in and of themselves. So um, there's a shortfall, isn't there, with super? You must see that mm. as well. We do, and there's a lot of anxiety around it. Yeah, which is... Um, or people just think, well, you know, there's so little in super, I'm just going to have to rely on the old age pension. They've resigned themselves to the fact, and I think that's really sad. It is. Um, well, to me it's scary because, you know, with an ageing population and, and therefore, you know, we need, we need um, people to be coming through in the ranks to pay their taxes um, for all those people mm. that are trying to minimise tax to support those, uh, the, the older generation. But I think that in future I wonder how much... Social Security is going to be able to help people. Um, and so helping yourself is what I think superannuation is designed to do. And there are some tax benefits to contributing to super. Mm. Do you want to share a little bit of those? Yes. Yeah, so, um, if you do sh um, contribute into super, um, you know, and you make a personal um, contribution over and above what your employer pays, you get a tax deduction for it in your tax return and you get the benefit of only being taxed at 15% in your super fund. So, you know, the the, the contributions going through are being taxed um, concessionally and then also any income that's being earned on that investment is also being taxed at 15%. So, you know, if you there's money that you've got um, that you'd like to invest, yeah. um, you know, and you're not going to need that money for a very long time, it's definitely tax effective to put it into the super environment and to do it there. Yeah, so, and as I like to say, would you um, like to give your money to the ATO or would you like to give it to your future self? So, you know, often most people think, yeah. well, I'd rather it comes to me, even though a, a portion of that's got to go to the ATO anyway. And, and as you rightly said before, paying tax isn't a bad thing. Um, in fact, it's, it's mm. necessary in the society that we live in, but... Um, but, you know, making sure you understand where you can make it work for you, I think it's, it's really helpful. For sure. I mean, I guess just on that, um, you know, there are some individuals, high income earning individuals that are taxed at 30%. Yes, that's right. Um, on their super contributions. Yeah. And I think that that's... Um, it's a bit mean, really, isn't it? <laughs> it's very mean. And, and I guess, you know, that sort of leads into my next question for you, yeah. Tanya. And it's... The rules around super keep changing. Yeah. Um, and that's one rule that sort of changed, I don't know how long ago that came in, probably, I don't know, five, yeah. five or six years ago or something like that. Good. You know, and, and we we have a government that, or have governments that need money from time to time and they see this great big pot of super as being a really easy way to get some extra cash. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, like, is it really worthwhile putting your money into super if the rules <coughs> can change? Yeah, look, th there's no doubt that the rules uh, can change and probably will change if we be realistic about this. I'd love to see the governments uh, not play around with superannuation, but like you say, they probably just can't help themselves, especially when there's deficits and so on. Got to be looking for yeah. ways to be able to recoup some of that and superannuation is an enormous pot. So, you know, I, I always sort of say to people, look, I, I, I have no doubt we'll continue to see change in superannuation, but... What I also have no doubt about is that the government can't afford to have everybody on social welfare. And so they're always mm. going to make it appealing or have some incentives um, within the superannuation environment that keep people sort of not being able to help themselves. And at the moment, what people may not be aware of is that if you were uh, 65 and choosing to retire today, you can have $1.9 million in what we call pension mm. phase, which is when we put superannuation that you've accumulated into drawdown phase um, and not pay a cent of tax on the earnings that that 
money makes and the money that you draw mm. out. So that's an enormous tax benefit when you really can't get that sort of zero tax structure in, in, in anything else that I certainly know about. It's um, certainly very attractive, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, zero tax, you know, once you do retire. Yeah. On your on your savings, I think is you know there there that is a big incentive to put money aside into super huge. And you know if you're a couple, uh, you know you're doubling that. Um, so mm. you know I think that um, whilst they may tweak those numbers, and we've certainly seen the current government uh, talk about bringing in this three million rule where there's different tax consequences, and there's there's detail that's got to come out about that. So probably mm. we won't explore that today because I think we don't. All of us don't know enough about how that's going to look. But, um, mm. you know, potentially there is always going to be some sort of threshold that has real obvious benefits. And then perhaps we're going to see a sort of a staggered approach or tax kicking in at some point above but those I, I guess that comes back to what is super there for. Is it there for retirement savings yeah. and providing with a comfortable but not excessive retirement or is it there to provide a legacy for future generations yeah. and I think that that's what we probably need to keep in mind that um, super is there for retirement Agreed. Um, and we're, we're going to have governments that see it exactly that same way yes. so that I, I think that you know it's inevitable that they will bring in those changes yeah. um, to cap the amount that you can have in super and be taxed you know concessionally. Yeah. I, I agree and, and the sole purpose mm. test is about building wealth for retirement members benefits and if we just go back to that principle rule, which I always think is the guiding rule of superannuation, mm. providing for members' benefits in retirement. Um, it's not providing for estate planning or anything else. It's making sure that people no. can pay their bills, live comfortably if, if they've accumulated enough, um, or certainly top mm. up any shortfall that Social Security doesn't allow for. So there's a lot of you know media talk about people sort of saying you can live off this amount or that amount. To be honest, the amount you can live off um, or you need to live off is individual to you. That's where you maybe even go and seek advice. Um, Let's go back to tip one. Yeah, exactly. Go and see those professionals and, and get that advice because it's going to um, be different for everybody. I was going to ask you, you know, is there an average, you know, number that people bandy around for, you know, a, com a comfortable retirement? Um, you know, and a, a comfortable retirement in Sydney looks very different to a comfortable retirement Adelaide. in a rural area. <laughs> exactly. Definitely. Yeah. One of Australia's minor cities. So, you know. Yeah, it's, it's definitely true. Look, we often see people coming in um, and, and aspiring to that $1 million that I think is probably um, something that was sort of bandied around in the Howard government since quite some time ago. Mm. <laughs> so it's gone up some, some since then. <laughs> Well, it has, but there's also reports. I, I saw something recently in the paper where someone said you you only need three or four hundred thousand in super to live comfortably, um, and I thought surely not in Sydney, but um, mm. but potentially somebody could if they own their home and they have a very simple lifestyle with you know they're not one to eat out for dinner and they don't like travel etc. Um, then mm. those people probably could make that work if they're eligible for the age pension. But in my experience. We're living longer. A 60-year-old mm. or a 65-year-old today has the attitude of almost a 45-year-old um, and they're fit mm. and healthy and they're active and they're not slowing down, they're ramping up, um, their travel, their lifestyle, juggling grandchildren, still working for many mm. people in, in maybe a different way. Yeah. So retirement is something that I believe has morphed into something else. I almost like to call it phase two rather than 
retirement, which sounds like you've been put out to pasture, you know, but um, exactly. it's different now. It's just a different stage of your life and knowing that you can fund that life, that dream life is, is where I think people really need guidance and support. But that's probably enough from you and I today. We might um, sign out for now and, and uh, hand over to our, our next High Heels and Dollar Bills guest um, for, for more tips. Um, but thanks for, for sharing your part of the, um, the evening with us today, Sonia. Great. Thanks, Tanya. I really enjoyed our discussion. Yeah, me too. Thank you. And that was Sonia Gibson from Accounting Heart with some great takeaways from the recent High Heels and Dollar Bills event. It's really important to consider your values, consider structuring and what kind of advisor you need when you're starting your business. So hopefully you found that helpful. Don't forget, you can join our Facebook group, High Heels and Dollar Bills to stay up to date with any future events. And to conclude our three-part series, Up next will be the knowledgeable Antonella Sanderson, lawyer with Family Law Matters, and of course, a valued member of our High Heels and Dollar Bills group. Speaking of conclusions, this will be the last episode of Money Mind for 2023. So I'd like to wish you all a very safe and prosperous festive season. Our community involves listeners from all walks of life. So regardless of your faith or beliefs, the end of year is a time for reflection, uh, planning for the future, family and friends. So look after yourselves and remember to think before you spend. This podcast is for general information only. It contains brief comments not intended to be the basis for decision making, nor to be taken as a substitute for personal advice. Please contact Amplify Wealth Management to discuss any matters that may be relevant to your individual situation. Money Mind. If you have any questions about your financial future, please head to amplifywealth.com.au. Money Mind is available to download and subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts.